currently listening to the Three Dads Chat podcast. This is episode number three, where the dads chat about their top three singles, top three albums, and top three bands. Make sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Three Dads Chat, or email us at dadschatpod at gmail.com. The Three Dads, thank you for listening. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Okay. Hello and welcome to episode three of Three Dads Chat with me, Laurie, to my friends, and Tim. Hi, Tim. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Super fantastic, mate. Just had my dinner. Had, had myself a little bit of uh, fish with some spinach. Um, have you noticed when you when you cook spinach how much it cooks down? We had this bag. I swear to God, it, it must have been 40 feet long. And we put it in there and we got barely got a serving for the three of us. Um yeah, so everything's going okay? Yeah, everything's going great. Ready for episode three? I am ready. All right. And also we have Johnny Boy over there in Newmarket. Mr. JT, what's occurring? <laughs> what's occurring? Uh, all good, mate. Uh, fantastic up here. Now that, uh, we, uh, that Natty and I are empty nesters, we are very, very flexible with time and everything too. Right. Wow, that's it. Empty nesters. Bloody hell. I've got a couple of years for that, I'm thinking. What's by the way, that? by the way, yeah, well, that's when all your kids leave home and go to college. <laughs> I just wanted to say, by the way, for all your real estate needs and requirements in the GTA, call John and he'll take care of you. And we're going to put a link to his web page on the Three Dads Chat IG page. Um, I haven't told a uh, producer Ryan that, but I'm sure he can handle it. Anyway, so we're into episode three. Um, and we've covered our respective firsts in episode one. And last week we delved into mixtapes. And this week, as it's episode three, we decided we were going to take a stab at our all time three lists. So we're going to be covering top three singles, top three albums and top three bands. Now, obviously, for all of us, these are just very personal lists, and we're just saying that these particular ones are just the ones that we like most individually, and we may have various personal links and all sorts of uh, uh, reasons for liking these things, but I just wanted to haste and say that other songs and bands are available. So anyway, without going on any, any too much too much longer, Tim, would you like to start us off with your Top three singles of all time in no particular order, unless you wanted to do a three, two, one for us and tell us a little bit about each one and why it made it in. All right. Okay. So I'm going to start with uh, um, Depeche Mode, uh, Behind the Wheel. Uh, that uh, 1987, that track came out and uh, that was the very first Depeche Mode song that I ever heard. And hook, line, and sinker with that band, with that song. And, uh, and then my number two is uh, U2, and uh, it's Bad, off the Unforgettable Fire. And honestly, this is my all-time favorite song, period. Um, so it, it, it definitely had to make the, the list. Um, number three is The Smiths, There's a Light That Never Goes Out. And this song, I think, is probably one of the greatest songs ever written. Um, Morrissey's uh, um, If a Double Decker Bus Crashes Into Us. Well, you guys know the rest. To Die By Your Side is just a heavenly way to die. Heavenly way to die. That's fantastic lyric. Yeah. And uh, actually, you know what? If we could just hear a little clip of that. That would be uh, fantastic because I really think that this song is that important. stuff that is a heck of a song mate yeah yeah that is one of my favorite all time that was that was some pretty good choices you zip through them quite quickly there um so depeche mode behind the wheel yes 
was that one of the first Depeche Mode songs you ever heard, or was it, you know? Yeah, it was actually. What album my was first... it? Was that on Speak and Spell? No, that's on Music for the Masses. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it was actually, you know what? It was actually my first. I, I'm not 100% sure if this was my first um, 12 inch, but the 12 inch to Behind the Wheel with Route 66 is just absolutely brilliant and if 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 we can find that and get that up on the uh um the the, uh the playlist but uh yeah that that um 12 inch blew my mind and this song in particular by depeche mode got me into it and i've been a fan since seems like there's an awful lot of songs back in the 80s that blew your mind your mind must have been in a constant state of bone (laughs) well when you're at that 12 13 14 stage and all this new music and not saying that music today isn't isn't good but music back then was just different and and uh, you know it was just it was just something that every day or sorry every week there was just something new that was coming up i was going to the record stores weekly and i was just i was buying sometimes i was just buying on what the album cover looked like you know yeah well something i guess they haven't got these days so so much nicer getting an album and you could actually look at the artwork which is actually one of my choices my album and i'll explain why in a bit but i think my my child was a little bit different than yours because the things that blew my mind were liam brady and uh, frank stapleton you know watching them like play play magic with the football every week that's that's the stuff that blew my mind there were some good songs about but i used to love watching the football anyway that's definitely different um so some good choices there uh i have to say that i think i guessed all three bands that you would mention <laughs> <laughs> i didn't guess the songs but i knew that uh dmu2 and the smiths would be in in a, in a in an order of three at some point so so john over to you mate what are your top three songs of all time and why firstly i think that uh to have to pare it down to three i think it's so wrong I mean, it's I'm... unfair i know it is but that's the name of the show that's <laughs> the name of the show this is why it, this is a hard one i know it's very hard usually it's all oh, top 10 songs top whatever oh. you've got to get it get them out mate top three. Oh, absolutely okay it was uh in in uh, descending order i guess number three uh is for me, it's Promised You a Miracle uh, by Simple Minds off the New Gold Dream album in 1982. Absolutely. I, I could pick any one of four songs from that album alone, but Promised You a Miracle is definitely uh, my favorite one uh, from them. Uh, that, that comes in at number three. Number two is uh, one of the biggest, actually the the best-selling 12-inch single for the longest time. You mentioned it in, uh, in week one, Laurie. It's Blue Monday, New Order, uh, 1983 release. It, it still, to this day, has one of the most... It is one of the most impactful songs uh, for uh, a generation of DJs and other bands. It's just absolutely brilliant. And I'm talking the original one, not the, uh, the remake for Sun-Kissed Orange, uh, whatever it was at the that was absolutely so unfortunate. But Blue Monday was number two for me. And the, my all-time uh, song is, has got to be same band's New Order. And the song is Temptation. And th- that is, that's a, a song that uh, strikes a chord. It's been, um, it was used in the soundtrack for Train Spotting, the original. It was brilliant. And it's, if you listen to any live version of Temptation, uh, whether it's live in Glasgow uh, or at Finsbury Park, it is definitely something. You have a listen to this song uh, and you let me know. So here's a little clip of Temptation that I find that I feel that you will really enjoy. And that is my favorite. Uh, as I said, that's. I can, I can see why, mate. The track is a banger. Oh, that's well, yeah. <laughs> no matter what kind of a mood you're in, if I play that song, I better, I better lose control at at a uh, 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 legal speed on the highways because. It certainly brings back a few memories for me as well. 
Oh, mate, I can only imagine. <laughs> it's funny. I only live around a corner from the uh, the Rainbow Theatre in Finsbury Park, and I never went there once. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, the Finsbury Park, when, they, when New Order actually did the live gig on, on my birthday back in, I think, 2005. It was June of 2005, and it was, shockingly, it was pouring down rain. Uh, in but, England? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, New Order, uh, the, the way that he, they introduced that song uh, there, and the same thing with uh, New Order live in Glasgow uh, with Peter, one of Peter Hook's final performances uh, from, for the band. Absolutely brilliant. Nice. Very good. Nice one, Joe. Nice one. They actually, they actually just played I, Manchester this weekend. Yes. Yes, they did. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's nice to see. And as a matter of fact, guys, very quickly, um, I had tickets for a 2020 concert, which was rescheduled to 2021, which is now rescheduled to 2022 at the Molson Amphitheater or Budweiser Stage, whatever you want to call it, whichever beer thing. Uh, yeah. And it double bill of... Uh, New Order with the Pet Shop Boys. Talk no, about it. Yeah. That's going to be. <laughs> right up your alley. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, missus. <laughs> Brilliant. You're a West End boy, aren't you? Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. <laughs> West End of Toronto, of course. Yes. <laughs> and Newmarket. <laughs> yeah, really. All right. Nice one, JT. Some good choices. Some solid tracks in there. All good stuff. And uh, oh, hang on a minute! What's that? I can is that is that a phone? I can hear I can hear a bloody phone ring. It. I've got to be honest. I didn't even know we had a phone. Hang on, just let me just let me grab this. Yeah, hey, dads, long time listener, first time caller. Just got a beef with this fella named Tim. There's no way there were fifty thousand people to see Depeche Mode at the CNE. Get bent. Well, that's a nice surprise to hear from a. A long-time listener, especially as we've only been on three weeks, I'm going to have to pass that. I'm going to have to pass that over to our fact checker to see if there's any justification in his allegation, Tim. Though, yeah, absolutely. We, uh, it's nice to see we have fans. <laughs> it's nice to see we have fan. <laughs> <laughs> My right. numbers are all off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you doubled you doubled our fan count there by putting him in the plural. <laughs> all right so my top three singles let's have a little look at these um okay so um top three singles were it's not easy for me but what i did is i looked at the, i looked at all the songs and everything that i thought that would that i could listen to at any time and the songs that most spoke to me and i really really liked and literally could put on at any time and listen to the whole song and be happy and the weird thing was that I found out that these three songs released in 1981, 1982 and 1983, respectively, are all about exactly the same subject. And I didn't plan this. I didn't put this out there. Basically, they're all anti-Thatcher government songs. So we've got 1981, Ghost Town by The Specials which is just a cracking record for me. I love it. And I love the fact that it captured the, we've talked about this one already, I think, but it just captured the mood of the people, mood of the youth, especially. And it was a nice multicultural band and it really represented what was going on in the youth culture at the time. My second one is a town called Malice, which Paul Weller wrote pretty much about Woking and how it was, you know, dissolving and there wasn't anything happening anymore. And there are some fantastic lyrics about the rows of empty milk bottles sit lying in the dairy yard and a hundred lonely housewives clutch empty milk bottles to their hearts. It's like you, you can see the picture. You can actually see that basically it's everyone's losing their job. Places sh shutting down. And he had a memory of a, of a steam train shunting in, his, in the engines behind where he used to live and he could hear it all night long when he was a kid and now they're not running anymore because there's no work down there so the ghost of a steam train echoes down my track and that's again very evocative and i just love those two songs the third one very similar this one this one's more of a serious one it was by uh, elvis costello it's called shipbuilding and it wasn't actually his song originally but he redid it um and he actually managed to get uh, Chet Baker. Tim, you're pretty familiar with Chet Baker's stuff. Yes, I am. 
uh, amazing jazz trump trumpet player and uh, it was apparently one of his last recorded efforts what a last thing on recorded that he actually got on wow <clears throat> the whole song shipbuilding is is an amazing lyrical song and elvis costello said it's like it's the best lyrics that he's ever he's ever performed if you listen to the song it's all about when england was going down the pan or uk was going down the pan we were losing um industries were closing down people were unemployed we had terrible things and the conservatives were just looking for a way to bring the country back in and you know lo and behold a war happens down in the falklands which nobody really cared about but it got the jingoism going it got the whole country back together and we were all you know real gung-ho about beating the argentinians about some little piece of land with a couple of sheep on it you know fifteen thousand miles away that no one had ever heard of before the war but the whole thing about shipbuilding is that the lyrics in it, if you listen to it, get a I, I, I urge you to listen to the lyrics and actually just listen to them. Where they're talking about they're so happy that there's a rumour going around that they're going to be building ships, but then they sort of realise that when they build those ships, they're going off to war with their sons on them. So they're going to lose, they're going to lose their sons, but they're happy because you know there's some life being breathed back into the town. And the emotion on that song is fantastic. Especially when Chet Baker comes in and he's, he, they recorded his part in three different live recordings and then they put it all together as one hit and you, can, you can't tell the join, obviously. And his tempo was exactly the same every time he did it. It's just, for me, art. So Shipbuilding is my number one song by Elvis Costello. So, oh, actually, just had a little note come through from our... Uh, our uh, technical people, but apparently the uh, attendance at that Depeche Mode gig wasn't 50,000, it was 29,839. So, Tim, it looks like your estimate was a little bit high, mate. It was. It was very, very high. That Did you was... want to say anything to our listener? That, that is my bad. Um, I, uh, yeah, I threw out a number and I shouldn't have uh, overestimated that much, but... Uh, it was like the, uh, ugh, I don't even know what to say. I, I apologize to the, the, to the listener, and I will get my facts straight from now on. But, do we uh, have to pay him any money or anything? No, no. What, what, what I did do is I got the uh, Depeche Mode gig and the U2 gig mixed up, because there was 50,000 at U2. Oh, was there? Don't, don't be throwing out more numbers. <laughs> it'll have you. It'll have you on another bloody phone call. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's see the fact check now. <laughs> all right mate that was my top three ingles three ingles i like pringles that was my top three singles so tim we're on to you to talk about your top three albums and why all right okay now these top three albums i'm going to lump into one they're in my opinion three of the most perfect albums from beginning to end uh these these three albums like where I was in my youth and uh, um, what I was doing as a teenager and all of these three albums have been in my back pocket my entire life. Well, not my entire life. Sorry. Another fact check. But, That's a uh, big back pocket you have. Yes. And honestly, these albums, it doesn't matter what I'm going through personally, whether it's good times, bad times, hard times, whatever it is, I can always depend on these three albums to get me through and just breathe some life into me when I need it. And the three albums are one, The Cure, Disintegration, uh, Violator by Depeche Mode, and my number one um, album of all time, my favorite album of all time, U2's Joshua Tree. And without those three albums, I honestly don't know where I'd be right now. But yeah, those are my three albums. So what's your, what would be your favorite track off of a Joshua Tree then? My favorite track off the Joshua Tree would be Exit. That is my, yes, yeah, side two. And uh, it is my favorite, uh, favorite track. The way it, it begins, the buildup, and how heavy it is. It's something that if I'm, you're not familiar with that song and you're familiar with the, the hits, Give that song a listen, and that that blows blows. Well, I'm not even going to say it blows my mind. I say that too much, but it, uh, yeah, it's exit. I'm surprised you have any mind left to blow. <laughs> yeah. 
Can I can I uh, own up to something? Yes. You you might hate me a little bit. No, I've never hate you. Never. <laughs> I've I've never heard the Joshua Tree album. Like in its entirety, or you? In never its heard entirety, it? I've heard some songs from it, obviously. Yeah. But uh, I've never sat down and listened to the whole album. Wow. I never owned it. I know you own twenty-seven copies of it. <laughs> well, bootlegs and everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm up to about twenty-eight copies plus the major box set that came out a few years back. But on no, all honestly, formats. But you need to listen to it. Did you ever get the laser disc? No, but you, you know what I do want is the eight track of the Joshua Tree. Wow. <laughs> yeah, there. It was. How would you play point. it? Pardon me. How would you play it? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. That would be full display only. Okay, but that's obsessive then. If you're going yeah, to buy something and not even is. use it, hundred percent it is. And I would like to collect different pressings from all over the world of that album too. Oh, the Japanese one, so you can't read the writing. And the German, the Portugal ones. It doesn't matter as long. Actually, as you're it's very similar to my my buddy Roger, who was the aforementioned Roger in last episode. I think he has multiple pressings, and he will go to places just because it has different writing on it. He wanted the Canadian version of the Summer Kiss album, Summer Love. Like yes, that. 100%. I just think that's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the the eight tracks were being faded out in '86 and '87, and there is a that few light. eight tracks of the Joshua Tree. It's just finding one. That's that's gonna be so uh, so valuable, uh, Ryan. Right? I'm gonna say, have you could spend Ryan's college fund on one of those? Can you? <laughs> I already have. Sorry, Ryan. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's our producer, by the way. <laughs> um okay well what was your second one it was the smith was it no my second no. was my second one was uh violator by depeche mode all oh, right depeche mode okay so the cure depeche mode and who was the other one uh joshua tree oh it's you too isn't it I yeah it's you too. i keep forgetting their name <laughs> keep forgetting their name. <laughs> three great albums mate they are definitely great albums so that's good stuff uh johnny you are up albums yeah. mate Okay, so uh, again, really, really cheap that uh, I'm forced to pare it down to three. Uh, now, I have uh, a, a list A and list B. The reason why is because if we have greatest hits uh, compilation albums, then one of them would be Substance. Uh, okay, by the so I think the rule is you can have yeah. any album in there as long as it's you know by the band. Yeah. You can even have a greatest hits. Ah, okay. Well, if that's it, see, it was either uh, Substance of New Order uh, from 87 or Penthouse and Pavement by Heaven 17. Heaven and I, 17. Wow, I bought that album. I still have it, mate. Yes, and it is actually... Oh, Tim's really, got it now. I, I was just about to say, I believe I have your uh, copy, <laughs> So if it was, if we're going with greatest hits uh, comps, uh, then it would be Substance because every song on that album is essentially New Order's best, uh, and it was absolutely brilliant. Um, but I have to say, uh, to your topic of the, the anti-conservative, uh, anti-Thatcher movement, uh, Heaven 17 are very, very, were a very uh, socially uh, aware and, uh, band, and that, that whole album, Penthouse and Pavement, especially uh, one of my favorite songs on that one was uh, We Don't Need the Fascist Groove Thing. And yeah. It is absolutely brilliant. It, it really is. Uh, but anyway, so I think the the luxury gap as well. That was a cracking song, but that was obviously about the the, the north south divide and luxury gap. You had let's all make a bomb. Yes, it, it was just it was fantastic. Um, my number two album uh, of all time was and is the Hurting by Tears for Fears. Uh, another we, another mention for the the Hurting and Tears for Fears. They're a great band. Uh, they are absolutely fantastic. Uh, there, that was their uh, talk about uh, bursting onto the scene with just incredible, um, uh, incredible music, well written lyrics, uh, songs like "Mad Worlds," uh, "Pale Shelter," uh, "Change." You know, it, it, and even the title track, "The, the Hurting." It's just unbelievable. It was uh, fantastic, and the and the cover album, as you had mentioned before, Tim, with respect to the cover of it. Just a, you know, just a, a, a little kid sat in, you know, uh, essentially 
almost looking like sat in, uh, uh, facing a wall, and it was just a white cover. It was absolutely just fantastic. Uh, but my my all time number one album, without a doubt, uh, is got to be New Gold Dream by Simple Minds in 1982, released in 1982. That's that album again, beginning to end. It's I, I can play it on loop, and I would not get uh, sick of it. Is absolutely um, a banger. I, I had mentioned uh, in my top three singles about "Promised You a Miracle," but there's other songs like "Someone Somewhere in Summertime" and "New Gold Dream," and just it's it was an incredible album, and it's really it has stood the test of time because you play it now, and it is you know it's not your really heavy synth pop type of eighty stuff. It, this is like well written. The 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 musicians were so tight. Uh, Charlie B uh, Birchall on guitar and Jimmy Kerr on vocals. They they were just fantastic. All good stuff, mate. They are some good albums there. Something I've uh, something I've noticed, and I'm going to be just as guilty as you two as well. But I've noticed that we are a little bit knob heavy in all of our choices. Every single band is all male. <laughs> of all of our singles and all of our albums so far, have been a little bit willy heavy, but which is amazing because there were some. Phenomenal, and there are some phenomenal now, but there are, there were some phenomenal female artists at the time who were very influential. It's just they, I guess they didn't make it into our top threes. No, Banana Rama was definitely uh, you know a, a favorite, but a, a little bit better than Banana Rama, mate. I'm talking, yeah. I know. Annie Lennox was one of the best vocalists the world has ever seen. And actually, interesting story about Annie Lennox. Where I'm from, Crouch End, a very small place in North London. Um, it's, there's only about 12,000 people live there now. It's inside London, but it's a very small area. Uh, they got a clock tower and a couple of supermarkets and a little shop. And they used to have two or three record stores. They used to have Hiram Records, and then they used to have Spin In, which was owned by my mate Tony's father down at the right. other end of the thing. And But in the middle was a, a really weird record store called the Spanish Moon. And I never really felt comfortable going in there because there was some like you know this was early early mid 70s and these people were already started shaving their heads and coloring their hair and it was pretty scary for a young 10 year old 11 year old but i found out later that annie lennox used to work behind the counter of the spanish moon record store in crouch end yeah, well, how, cool yeah. how cool is that and rumor has it that's where she met dave stewart because dave stewart was from crouch end they got together and formed a band called the tourists and I remember when I was about 13 or 14, I heard the tourists recording in the Holy Innocence Church where my mum and dad got married years before. And I could hear them singing like through the walls. It was just coming out. So good to be back home again, which is like their big hit. And then they went on to be um, Eurythmics. That's unbelievable. And then Dave Stewart bought the church on Crouch End Hill and uh has a recording studio there i think he's since sold that but he used to he recorded all his stuff on crouch and hill so it was pretty famous like a uh, place pretty famous people down there but wow yeah all That's good stuff the the stories that you know from from the uh from the uk back then you know like yeah this that, that's cool I, actually, I got, I got a real quick one. I have to tell you, it might be a little bit of an urban myth, but there's the story about Crouch End. So Crouch End Broadway leads off to a split road at the end of it. One's Crouch End Hill, and one is Crouch Hill. Very similar names. Crouch, uh, Crouch End Hill goes off to the right. Crouch Hill is off to the left, I believe. It's been a long time since I've been there. But on one of those, Dave Stewart had his recording studio. Bob Dylan was in Crouch End to specifically go and meet Dave Stewart. And he was going to go to his recording studio and they were going to go and have a drink and then like chat about stuff. So Bob Dylan comes to Crouch End, right? So Bob Dylan turns up and he hasn't gone to Crouch Hill. He's gone to Crouch End Hill. He's gone to the wrong street, but he's got to the, got to the number of the street, like 145. And he's knocked on the door. And as luck would have it, and uh, like this is either urban myth or it actually happened. There are so many reports of this. You can look it up on the internet. He turns up at this house and it just so happens that the woman's husband was called Dave. So <laughs> he wasn't home at the time and she's, she didn't know Bob Dylan was. She just done bloke answered the door and he said, I'm here to see Dave. 
So she's invited him in, sat him, sat him down in the living room and give him a cup of tea and oh. said, Dave will be, he'll be here soon. He'll be here in like five minutes. So, all right. So, so. About, about five minutes later, her husband comes home and she says, there's a bloke in the, in the living room called Bob. He said he's here to see you. And he goes in there. It's Bob Dylan sitting there having a cup of tea in his living room. You imagine. <laughs> oh my God. Bob Dylan, what can I do for you, mate? <laughs> So they took him round to uh, Dave Stewart, and uh, all was well. And they went off and went and had a drink in the uh, in a pub on a corner road. But apparently, that's real. So funny, cracking stuff. Okay, so quickly, my top three albums. We're going to go just in no particular order. Uh, you might get a bit of a surprise with a couple of these. Um, Madness. Oh, absolutely love Madness. Always have done. Always will. Um, What's the uh, the say M M Y S madness makes you smile. It doesn't matter when I listen to these songs; they just remind me of a time, and they also just make me smile all the time. The, the funny thing was around the seventies. I don't know if you'll agree with this, but in the seventies, as a, as a kid, I I noticed that so many songs they just sung about love. Everything was about love, or missing you, or wanting you, or having you, or breaking up. Or it was all seemed to be stuff. I couldn't relate to any of that stuff. But then Madness came along and they started singing about baggy trousers and night boats to Cairo and cardiac arrests and Michael Caine. And, and like House of Fun is about a 16 year old trying to buy a condom. You know, <laughs> this is just fantastic stuff for a 15 year old to listen to. It's like totally weird. So when I, when I got to hear these songs, I just thought, yes, this is for me. And I, I really grew to love Madness. Um, there's one particular song. Actually, I'd like to just throw a little clip of that if I can. Um, there's a song called One Better Day. And uh, Lee Thompson, the saxophone player who from Barnet, uh, and Suggs' lyrics with Mark Bedford's arrangement, is, is, to my mind, it's unrated, underrated poetry. Um, but anyway, here's a little clip of One Better Day from Madness. nice song it's a nice song and actually if you look at the video there's a whole there's a whole it's all filmed in camden town which is northwest london just it was the next little you just up another crouch end here when you can come down to um camden town and it was, it was all filmed there so i knew all the areas and all the places so that was all nice and you want uh, to talk about iconic images the the madness where they're all tucked in together and they're leaning back yeah on one step beyond yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That was, I, you know, how many people tried to do that? <laughs> oh, I can imagine. <laughs> We're doing the madness walk. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, even though Suggs is a Chelsea man, I, I won't hold that against them. I absolutely love the band as well. Love oh, it. Fantastic. And, and like I said, that you know, listen, listen to a madness song and tell me it doesn't make you smile. <laughs> like lyric, you ly lyrics up. from uh, lyrics from Baggy Trousers, like teacher comes to break it up back of the head with a plastic cup fantastic and then you just want to jump around everybody does those are the wedding songs where all the dads get out the chairs and they're like yeah i can dance to this one <laughs> and everyone's going uh no you can't no <laughs> you really can't brilliant okay number two number two album and this was uh as it was an album from my childhood it was released in 1966 so i was only one but cracking album and i love the artwork as a child i would sit there and disappear into the cover of this thing it was uh the beatles revolver now brilliant that's album. brilliant crack, album. absolute cracking album there's some great songs on there you got it starts off with tax man and eleanor rigby and goes into i'm only sleeping there's good day sunshine there's loads so many good songs on that one although yellow submarines on it and that's not one of my favorites but the album just I, I mean I, I wanted to get a Beatles one in there because they were like so I listened to them so much on my parents' record collection when I was a kid. And it was either that 
or Sergeant Peppers, and I just thought Sergeant Peppers was better. We had Abbey Road. We also had a couple of the early Beatles stuff, but I just enjoyed this album purely because of the sounds, but also because of the the artwork on the front. I'd look into it and I'd always see something different, like Ringo Starr coming out of someone's ear, and it blew my mind, Tim. <laughs> okay, so my last my last one, which uh, I I challenged you both to guess, and I know you wouldn't, is from a little band called UB40. Ah, oh. it was their debut album called Signing Off. Now, UB40 in in North America, I think, were known basically for stuff like Red Red Wine and I Got You Babe. That saw them break over here. It's coincidentally that time I stopped listening to UB40 because I hated all that stuff. But the early right. stuff, the very very first stuff, for me, like Food for Thought was their first single. That's on the on the B side of this, but. Signing off, a UB40, just for those who don't know, UB40, if you look at the album cover, a UB40 is an unemployment benefit form 40. Yeah. So oh, that's you, what it is? Yeah, yeah. UB40. It's, I've read oh. somewhere that some American guy thought it was, it was a play on words, meaning you, not me, you before tea. Like, oh. you, you, you before your cup of tea. You before tea. Oh, what on earth are you what talking is? about? The form is on the front of the cover. It's the whole cover. It explains it. But signing on was when you went to go and get your welfare benefits. So if you didn't have a job, you would go there and you would sign on and they would give you money. And they'd ask you questions. They'd say, did you, did you work in the last three weeks? No. Did you go for an interview? No. Okay, here's your money. And then you sign on. You get your money. But if you ever got a job, you'd still have to go back and you'd have to do a thing called signing off. Now, signing off, I guess, was what UB40 were doing there because they were no longer on the dole. They were releasing albums. So oh, yeah. I just oh, love yeah. the, the reference of that thing, UB40 and signing off. But what a cracking album. A lot of protest songs on there, which I didn't really understand. There's Tyler and you know, Martin Luther King songs. But some other great songs on there. And it's when they were back on their roots, their early stuff, when it was real reggae stuff. And I really like that. So, all right. Well, that's me done. Uh Couple of surprises for you, was there? Yeah, yeah, there was. Didn't see that coming, did you? No, no, I honestly didn't. <laughs> I honestly thought there would be the Who in there somewhere. Yeah, I thought you might think that. I thought you might. Yeah. Think. But, we've, but we've still got three bands to come. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So spe- speaking of which, keeping the same order, Tim, why don't you kick it off and see if you can do these three bands without saying the words "you" or two. <laughs> all right all right okay so my three bands are very very predictable um i've i've got the smiths i've got depeche mode and i have a band out of dublin ireland that uh um those are my three bands (laughs) and then there's you too and those are the those are the three bands that uh again I, i i keep going back to been there through thick and thin with me their music um yeah these these bands are the three bands that mean the most to me yeah well it's yeah i i gotta be honest i saw those choices coming a mile away i I think our one at least you're consistent i think our one fan sees them coming too (laughs) (laughs) one fan well i guess we'll see i believe our one fan is into the cult and that's about it as well um <laughs> so anyway yes your three bands saw them coming knew it was going to happen good stuff i think i just headbutted the mic there uh john it's your yes. mic mate off to off you go with your top three bands i i really hate to say that uh i'm pretty predictable just like tim is but uh, uh mate i mean that's it, that's what makes us great john yeah thank you <laughs> see i'm but, throwing in some left left fielder stuff you're not going to get mine uh, honestly, though, it's uh, it's so difficult uh, because of the throughout the '80s. It, it's it's one thing there there was about seven eight bands that uh, at least that were on my playlist all the time. Uh, you know, and you have the in the '90s with uh, with bands like Faith, Coldplay starting up. Those were my bands then. But in the '80s, uh, you know. Tears for Fears and Depeche Mode. That's like a that was a toss up for me. But Tears for Fears, I think uh, they weren't uh, 
they, they didn't produce as many albums. They didn't make as many albums, obviously, nor near as Depeche Mode did. But uh, the quality of them were fantastic. Depeche Mode, the fact that they were able to uh change change things um incredibly uh, with respect to the, the the music scene the 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 12 inch version of get the balance right is still to this day uh, a, a lot of the top djs um say that that is the the basis of so many of their rhythms and their, and their beats and ever but um anyway all that to say tears for fears number three with a close shout for depeche mode uh number two simple minds um i i can't speak uh you know uh, highly enough of the of these guys they they really especially their early stuff anything after the alive and kicking and uh you know uh, and, and that that album uh it wasn't so much for me but anything prior to that was just phenomenal and number one rising out of the ashes of joy division uh new order by far and away uh my favorite band yeah. How many times have you seen New Order? Uh, uh, I would say about five times. But they, they, they haven't toured as often because they had a big, uh, they took a big hiatus um, after uh, their their manager basically stole their money and they were bankrupted. <laughs> so that's why the album of uh, Regret had to come out so that they can try and bring some money, you know, get some money back. But they, they, stopped touring for a little bit and then when uh cookie left the band uh they stopped a bit then they came back around and now anytime that they come around uh i will be definitely watching them i've seen them about five times uh simple minds i've seen them about four times tears for fears twice depeche mode around six times approximately anyway yeah bands and and uh, concerts those gigs they were uh they were Something that Tim and I would agree, uh, you know, you just, you really feel the moment and you, you really place yourself back uh, in those days, in those concerts. Absolutely. Timelines in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Timelines. Not sure if I've told you this, but did I, did I ever mention that Roland Alathabal, his yes. mother, his mother worked with my mother Come at, on. at CNA in, uh, it was like a, like a department store. But in Woodgreen Green Shopping Center, and she came home one day and said, "Do you know Roland Olathebel?" And I'm like, uh, "Yeah." And she goes, "I work with her, work with his mum." That's so- <laughs> like, oh, that's nice, mum. <laughs> Do you know who she is? Which <laughs> is uh, quite funny. And uh, Roland, uh, they, uh, they, they, you know, taking turns on the on the vocals, and it, but, but their songwriting and their vocal skills were just incredible, man. I loved it, and their dancing. Yes. <laughs> when he stands on the pier. Yep. Dancing. Swinging his arms. Fantastic. Um, and, I just, all I their, and all of their uh, images, they look like a couple that has just finished fighting, too. <laughs> <laughs> they probably look like old ladies now. Right? No, but if you go back and look at those album covers and, and, and those, those posters and stuff, they always look like a couple that just finished the fight. Well, a lot of album covers back in the 80s and 90s were so pretentious when they had the people of the band in it. They, why did they never look in the same direction? <laughs> look at Joshua Tree. What the hell is Bono looking at? <laughs> They're all, everybody else is looking at the camera, and he's like, no, nah, there's something going on over there. No, I don't see what's no. Yeah. What's all that about? <laughs> that's, that's artistic. <laughs> point of view from the photographer <laughs> yeah too, okay right? you call it art artistic i'll say he was just he was just wandering <laughs> <laughs> you see some bird walking over here look at the state of that i've given him a funny accent how comes he come from up north <laughs> he's irish they see originally bono was actually from manchester yes <laughs> bite, bite your tongue like, yeah. like everything else is from manchester <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything except Manchester United supporters. There you go. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, a little bit of a little bit of uh, satire. Okay, a quick question to ask you about um, about Simple Minds. Yes, mate. Did you ever hear the rumor about Alive and Kicking? How he wrote it, and it was for the Breakfast Club, right? Uh no, I I did not know that it was uh, written for the Breakfast Club. Isn't that the song that they use in the Breakfast Club? No, it's uh, Don't You Forget About Me. Oh, and, that was the one. 
Oh, yeah. that's right. Sorry. Yeah. Beg your pardon. Yeah. Don't you word. forget about me. And the Breakfast Club, and it was in it. And they wanted it. He hadn't finished it, but the record company or the, mu- the uh, movie company wanted the song to get it onto the trailer. So he just, da, la, 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 at the end of it. And they left it in. They just said, well, he goes, there you go. That's it then. We're finished. And he just stopped writing because they wanted it too soon. Well, you know that Prince wrote that song, right? Uh, no, I didn't know that. No? What? Yes. Prince had his hand in everything. Uh, well, Panic Monday, but Don't You Forget About Me was, was uh, written by Prince. Yeah. Nothing compares to you. Uh, yes. There you go. Keep going. <laughs> well, purple rain. <laughs> but the funny thing is that, uh, as you say about uh, the Breakfast Club and Don't You Forget About Me, that's probably my least favorite song of Simple Minds. I can't stand that song. Really? I'm so glad I picked that one up. <laughs> <laughs> How fortuitous of me to actually mention the one you hate. Thank you. Of your, of your second favorite top band of all time. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, mate. You're welcome. All right, going into my top three bands, um, Madness we've already mentioned. And just because they're Madness and because of everything they've done and the fact that they're still they're still touring, they're, they're getting on a bit now. They're my age and a little bit older. I think uh, they're in their 60s now, but they still give it large. They love it. And they got a massive, massive following, a very uh, loyal following who's go out and watch them every time they play. Uh, the Who... Had to be in there because they are the who. They're a super band. Enough said. Yeah. I think that I think that Roger Daltrey's vocals and uh, Townsend's keyboards and and all the rest of it, just their whole presence on stage was just amazing. I was too young to ever go and see them, um, but bought everything they ever did. I think. And the uh, greatest scream in rock and roll. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I read, I read a story, but I was looking this up the other day, and I read a story about that, that he recorded that part on his own. He was doing his own vocals while everybody else was out having lunch, and they all came running back because they thought he was having an argument at the time. They thought he was screaming at the, uh, the producer, like the sound tech, because they were off in the calf on the other side of the road, and they heard him through the sound walls. Now, either that's a crappy sound studio, or he had some bells on him. Oh, those those are some lungs. Yeah, and now it's used on TV shows. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the third the third isn't a band; it's an individual who's been parts of bands and other other conglomerations. But it's it's David Bowie. Wow. Um, okay. yeah. I think the man he, he had over the years and over the generations his constant reinvention. I think the man was an absolute genius, and I don't think there's any argument that he could just stay on top of trends. People said, oh, you know, he's really following trends. He never did. He, he invented them. Mm-hmm. He came in and everybody like got on his coattails and went dragged along and said, oh, this is what Bowie's doing now. We'll do that. But he was so good at his time and so, and so innovative. And I'm, we are so much poorer without him. Yeah. So those are my three, The Who, Bowie, and Madness. Brilliant. Yes. So... I will say that that is pretty much episode three. So, um, Tim, actually, I wanted to ask you, you said you might have something to announce about a coming feature that you're going to be arranging for a future episode. Yeah. What can you tell us? Yeah. Okay. So for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to do a little segment. Um, I think uh, there's there's two record labels that are so important to all these bands and all these songs that uh, we mention week in and week out. And I'm going to do a 5, 10, maybe 15-minute segment on uh, these record labels. Give a little history. And if it wasn't for these record labels signing some of these bands, we wouldn't have had the music that we have today. So, yeah, starting next week, I'm going to start with uh, probably Island Records. And then I will move into Sire Records. And then I'm going to do a little bit on uh, the Peel Sessions. And uh, if, you, if you don't know anything about the Peel Sessions, um, definitely that's one to tune into. And, uh, yeah, I'll uh, give some history, some, uh, some point of views, and uh, just talk about those bands that those record labels snatched up and signed and were able to get into our collections because of those. So do we have a name for this segment? We're going to call it like, something like Tim Talks. 
Oh, we could. Instead of TED Talks, it's Tim Talks. Tim Talks. I like that. Yeah. Informative information from Tim about stuff. Excellent. Well, that sounds great, man. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to get this out. Yes. Okay, so episode four next week. What, uh, did you have any ideas about other than your stuff that you're going to throw in there? Anything else you guys wanted to uh, talk about? Some of the... Oh, sorry. Sorry about that, Tim. I was just going to say about more memorable concerts that we've been to. The memorable concerts we've been to? Mine's going to be quite short. (laughs) 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 At Wembley Stadium. Lawrence Lawrence is going to produce next week's show then <laughs> yeah because i ain't got bugger all to say which which might be a relief to some people oh no <laughs> you you know what i would like to dabble into is uh, i have no idea mate and i'm not sure if i want to know <laughs> well here it is oh, is our parents influences on us it doesn't have to be uh, our parents interesting but, one but yeah. older older siblings like where where did our influences come it's an interesting one like music that was in the house before you were old enough to purchase it that's an excellent yeah i like that i like the idea of that one let's do that on episode four so on episode four we're going to be doing music that was in the house with influenced your taste negatively or positively yeah yeah because yeah, I mean, absolutely. you could you could have heard some country western music and thought, "Oh my god, I'm never touching that stuff." Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. I think it's a fantastic shout. All right, so that's what we're going to do. Um, anything else from you guys? No, no. I think we covered everything. All right. In which case, thank you very much, everybody. That was. That was an enjoyable one. I liked that one. That was a good one. And look yeah, the, forward to hearing that. The threes were hard. The threes were hard. It's, it's not, not easy awesome. just to pick three three songs no. and say those no. are my favorite three songs. I could throw another I could probably throw another fifteen songs in there and say like any one of these could have made it into the top three. And I think perhaps maybe it feels like a little bit how you feel at the time you're doing the list. If you ask me this in three me three weeks' time, I might change that list. And it was always what five albums are you bringing to a desert island? Not three albums. It's always five. Yeah, five. Five's a lot to take to a desert island. And why <laughs> are you going to a desert island with albums and not flipping <laughs> water and knives and maybe a phone to say, come and get me? <laughs> Never understood that. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you very much. I'm going to sign off. And, uh, and we will see you next week for Three Dads Chat on episode four. 